I'm Nadia Cheney. I am so excited to welcome you to the Adaptogen podcast, where we learn the journeys, the obstacles, the obsessions, and the professional tips from facilitators all over the world. It's the world I want to live in, is a space where people are like invited up to be themselves and be heard and seen and cheered on. And for each one of us to be fully ourselves, to be our full brightness, to follow our joy and to, and then, so it's like this evolutionary leadership where like we can be the leader sometimes and then we can lay back and rest and carry mm-hmm. the flags or do the dishes or wash the empty mugs or but just take turns like supporting the collective and then shining our bright light and being woven together hi my name is hummingbird woman and i am from the loon clan i'm a mixed blood woman Anishinaabe, Finnish, Irish, and English. I also go by the name Hazel Belkowski, and I'm a visual artist and a creative facilitator, and I'm a mom to a 27-month-old baby boy named O'Damon, who is teaching me a lot about grace and patience and fun. When did you start consciously holding space for other people in groups? How far back can you feel the tendrils? I remember, I don't know how old I was, but maybe eight or nine. And I remember creating games with people and being maybe the lead, like robots, sculpture games, like where you had to be a sculpture and then someone would come and want to buy one of them and have to go among the people and be like oh what do you do and then what do you do I remember <laughs> playing that out on the front lawn of I lived in up at UBC on a little block called King's Road and it wasn't part of student housing it was like little flat roof stucco buildings townhouses row houses and you could, you could hear your neighbors there. You could see into the base. Like I could see into my neighbor's basement. I could hear my best friend, Alex. She lived not right beside us, but wonder over. If I called her on the phone, I could hear her phone ringing if the windows were open, but we shared a door with, we shared a wall with Ellie and Ellie is a master gardener. Like she would just turn the front lawn into like wherever she moved. It was like, poof vegetables and flowers and bushes and her house was full of toys like she was run always running a daycare out of her house and so we lived there for 20 years and it was full of like culture creators and like scientists and people going to UBC PhDs who had kids and we just grew up latchkey like I would I could get myself home from U Hill Elementary and there was a gang of us who would play and we remember like making up tons of different games. And do you remember any others? I love the robot game and I definitely want to play it with you. <laughs> and it reminds me of like when you, we do the shadow, like freeze stuff. Uh-huh. Like, 
that's it's got the same kind of components in it it's like that can you tap the robot and then the robot tells you who it is yeah I can yeah see loud and clear it's like, <laughs> game. It was like a and it was maybe sculptures too it could have been like an art gallery I remember playing game I don't remember it was like a teacher game or like a school game inside I just remember sitting in this big chair I had and being where you were the teacher in the I game. was a teacher probably yeah <laughs> I also liked playing library like oh. out of the library and we were always making up doing lots of biking and playing games and tag and stuff and oh this one you'll like so then that was like elementary school and then in grade five I realized like we were supposed to be learning French but I realized if I just stayed in the English in normal public school I would never learn French so I put myself into late French immersion, which started in grade six, which required, and a group of my, I, four of us decided to go and do it. And we had to leave UBC and go down to Kisilano to General Gordon. And in grade six at General Gordon, I started to act like a bear. Like I took on this like bear persona. Wow. And my name was Brown Bear. And I met a friend there, Lindsay Patel, and she took on this kitty bear cat, like an alter ego of a cat. And we were kitty bear cat and brown bear were like sweet on each other. But I also influenced the whole class basically to take on an animal personality. Hazel? Oh my <laughs> there was like, my friend Alex was a koala. And I know like a good part of the whole class had an animal alter ego. Okay. They didn't take it as far as kitty bear cat, but it's really great. Do you remember if there were adults reacting to that or was it really with the young people, with the kids? With the young people, our teacher was Madame Tremblay and she was a, she was good for me. because She had a structure and I need structure and discipline that I respond to. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll be a good student, but I don't, I, I can see her smile and I bet she, she knew what was going on, but she, I don't remember her reacting. I remember doing it at lunch and recess, like out in the field. Brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. This thing of get, getting people to go beyond themselves. Yeah. Just, it's all right there already. And were you already painting by that age? My mom for sure had me in art classes. I remember this art class. So I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. And I the reason I love creating space for people that's warm and welcoming, belonging is important to me is that being left on the doorstep of some new class or sent off to camp. Like again, I'm like, oh God, I gotta do this awkward, weird thing again of make small talk and make friends and find my way around. Like I, I still feel it when I go to some new place. I'm like, hi, hi, my name is Hazel. And it takes yeah. me like right back to- That awkwardness. The awkwardness of, because yeah. I consider myself a naturally shy person. Like I got a shyness that is 
is present. Like I'm not the, and then when I'm like talking to people or hi, like when you break the surf, the, you say hi and you, whatever, you cross over into each other's world. I'm cool. I, I got it. I can talk to people, but it's like that initial. And so that's part of what you want to do is help them with that initial. Helps yeah. them with that. Yeah, it's about creating spaces of a belonging for me, I think. I think that's, I was able to name it at one of the heart of facilitation. We had to get up and talk about our passion and- The one minute. Yeah, I talked about belonging there. I guess it has to do with, we do all belong to this planet. Like we grow out of it. We're part of this creative event and our society and so much of it has created separation and that doesn't, that isn't natural to us, I think. And so to get back to that, place I also learned I guess it was in 2012 and I was part of holding these events called Spirit Matters at University of Toronto and I found myself at the second Spirit Matters and it was through the Transformative Learning Center at OISE with the Ontario Institute of Studies and Education and it was they were spearheaded by a man named Dr. Edmund O'Sullivan and his wife, Dr. Emer O'Neill. And he founded the Transformative Learning Center, which housed women's studies and art-based research and environmental studies and indigenous studies. And it was a place where people are like, I don't know where I fit in, but can I come and do my master's with you or my PhD with you? And, and, and wow, I didn't know something so cool existed there. Yeah, I think Ed supported like a thousand people to get their PhDs. And it was like people doing like really wild, cool things to do with ecology and cosmology and transformative learning and art. I mean, but you weren't a student there. You came to this conference. Yeah, I, I found myself there. I called myself a backdoor academic. And I found my way there because they needed a videographer. And my nice. friend knew me and knew that I would be interested in what they were doing. And so she suggested me and it was for a Velcro Ripper film. And they called me and I was like, yeah, I Googled them. And it was like, circle this, circle that, elder this, elder that. And it was like on my path of when I was starting to seek out elders and seek out my Anishinaabe heritage and like to actually call myself to to be attentive to it. And so I found myself there and that was in 2007. And it was right after I got back from this cross Canada speaking awareness tour for grassy narrows. Oh, wow. And that I also was a videographer on and we ended up in Seattle. It was like in the winter, snowy mountains and snowy prairies. And Beautiful. With elders and youth. And then I got back from that. And then I got this email out of the blue, will you be a videographer? And at the second Spirit Matters, and all I had to do was film the plenaries. And then they were like, all the circles and all the breakout rooms are like private. So you can just attend. Oh, and great. <laughs> these are like elders, like Paulo Angola from Uganda. And just like, there was like from sexuality to like, ancestral retrieval stuff it was just like across this 
whole spec. I was just like, so I ended up going to these two elder, these, I went to Herb Navagon and he did like pipe teachings and he's an Anishinaabeg elder. He's an ancestor now. And then I went to Diane Longboat's ancestral circle and they both, it changed my life. It was like, changed the course of my life. I had asked spirit, I was like, please help me to get out of the like mundane, like restaurant art making of Toronto. I was, wasn't living my passion. And I got, I think it corresponds with my Saturn return. I didn't really know about that, but I, it definitely is like right then is 29 years old or 28 years old. And I'm like out on the road and then brokenhearted. And so I'm further out on the road. And, and then, so I'm finding myself at Spirit Matters and then Emer and Ed and all these elders. And I'm, and at the end of this second Spirit Matters, which was, in 2007, they announced there's been this shared vision. Emer had a dream, Paulo Angola had a dream, and Diane Longboat had a vision in this circle that I had been in with her. And it was all these people of all the colors, like of all the directions, the yellow people and the white people and the black people and the red people. And Diane Longboat's Haudenosaunee, Paulo Angola's from Uganda, the source of the Nile. He started as an organization called the Multiversity. And then that Emer is Irish. So she's a white elder. And they had all had dreams of people of all the colors holding, like dancing in concentric circles among green mounds. And Emer said, that's Ireland. And So they announced a trip. They said, we're going to go to Ireland in May, 2008. And I, like a fly on the wall, I'm like, I'm going with them. And I did, I ended up going with them. And so with them, I really learned like this, how to be in circle and this Mm -hmm. honor, this reverence, this like merging academia with like fun and celebration and holding space in the field. Emer is a master of reading the field and she was a, she's a, a definitely one of my mentors and she calls herself my bad, a bad auntie. And <laughs> she, so I ended up like magically going on that trip because I had no money and they didn't know me. And then I just, it spirit wanted me there and I went and it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Was like Did it happen? Or dancers, the dancing? There wasn't the dancing, but there was like ceremony among the green mounds and like a big peace pipe that Diane Longboat and her crew brought. And actually one of the women, Carol, who is Mo, she's, she's Navajo and Irish and she was raised Navajo, but didn't know any about her, anything about her Irish roots so she her mom was Navajo so she went up came to Ireland and she could see the little people and she said when we were smoking the peeps pipe up on this mound in La Crue I think we were in La Crue and she said the little people came up out of the earth and they were dancing and singing wow 
And then since that trip, Emer's attempted to organize another trip where we would all go or different other people would go and it has never come about every other year. So we're going to do it. And then and she was trying to do it for this May as well, but she just realized that she can't be organizing 28 people. Like it's a huge It's not her work anymore. Cause it keeps falling apart or people book different things or say they're coming and then say they can't come. And that she's, I'm not doing this anymore. Don't force it. And it's yeah. what, 16 years later. Yeah. <laughs> 16 wow. years later. Wow. That, it seems so fresh still. And then after that, during that, I got funding. When I went, I applied to the Canada Council to, to hold, like some of my jam is like youth and elder work. So bringing youth and elders together and I received a Canada Council grant to hold 10 youth and elder storytelling circles in downtown Toronto. And I ended up, I think we held, ended up holding like 50 of them, but it was, and I, the idea was like, we'll have four youth and four elders and we're all going to go together repeatedly. But that was hard because I didn't know I had to, I didn't know that many youth and elders at that time to get them to commit to me to that. Yeah. So I started to go to these storytelling circles. They're called 1001 storytelling nights. And they'd been happening at U of T since like the sixties, every Friday night, a storytelling night. And there were these epic storytellers from around the world because Toronto is like this meeting place. And I recruited, like I was, I'd go to them and then I'd be like, hey, will you come to my storytelling circle? And then I met people who had youth groups and I, and also sketch. I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, like mm-hmm. they became a part of Yeah. And Nati Tremblay. Yeah. Yeah. And Sue Cohen. Sue Cohen was a big ally and she would bring her entourage of youth. And so I was doing that. And they were pretty, they were heart-filled, potent. We made, we figured out like have food, have bus fare, have breaks, have really good storytellers, do an opening circle, do a closing circle. So as I held each circle, I got more confident and we'd light a candle every time. Sometimes we'd smudge, we'd go around, we'd open by going around. And then I realized, oh, we really do need to close it because- the closing you pieced it so, all together it's so potent yeah yeah it was like piecing it together and then ed came to me at one point during this time and it, i guess this was in 2009 and he said and ed is like my bear dad i realized because he'd come to me and be like hazel i think i think you should we're gonna have a third spirit matters and i think it should be a youth and elders gathering and i think you should organize it and i was like okay Oh, and wow. we, I, to say, toot my own horn, like we, I pulled off an amazing gathering with like all the component, like we had amazing local organic food. We had three days and like a men's circle and a women's circle and art making and Velcro Ripper ran a circle and there was a nonviolent communication circle. And there was like 
plenaries and we had a local indigenous hip-hop group who came and there was like open mic and sketch was like full on there and and I just we just blew it out of the water like it was me with a team of people who were interested in doing that and Ed and through Ed and Emer we had the space at U of T and also this history of the first two spirit matters and so we had there was this these academics and these intellectuals and these elders who were like invested in it and that was in June 2010 and it also culminated with I had worked for the Toronto school district at the time running this co-op program where there was 26 youth and we had three months together and we made a one-hour show and half of those youth were native and half were non-native and the non-native was like Persian and Indian and Guyanese and like from Mozambique and like all over. And then, so we made a beautiful show that incorporated Grassy Narrow's story and that incorporated dance. They had to write it, dance, writing it. We filmed it. And there was one other component of the visual art component. So, and so then, they both culminated at the same time in June 2010. So I got all those youth I worked with to come to the Youth and Elders Gathering. And I think one of my biggest successes is I had all these young men who, hmm. who were like, Miss, we don't walk, Miss. Like I took them on a march. And <laughs> they're like, no, we don't. But I got these beautiful young men into the men's circle. Cause I like crafted this men's circle that where I had an elder in each direction or a man, like a really solid man in each direction. And then I got these young men to be in that circle. That felt really like a success, like a life success. <laughs> they yeah. were even like late. I was like in the room where I had been running a silk screening and actually Wait, that room is already silk screening workshops then? that was where i burst the flag <gasps> whoa okay that's that room where i'm like i'm in the room so this was my idea and it was based on clarissa pinkola's a handmade life like we need to make our lives and so my i was silk screening and i was stenciling at the time but i wasn't making flags like i but the idea was we'll silkscreen in the morning, we'll, no wait, we'll stencil make, we'll silkscreen, yeah, we'll stencil make and silkscreen in the morning, then in the afternoon we'll sew them together into flags, and then in the evening we'll hang them to be flags that decorate our open mic night. Good idea. And I'm like running the, I'm running this conference and then I'm running this silkscreen workshop, which doesn't go hand in hand. Like they, I made a bit of a mess of that room. We were on a, like a brand new floor and it was like new carpet. And I know there's probably still silkscreen ink. <laughs> but like after that morning, I'm in the room cleaning up and these, all these dudes, these young men come in and I'm like, what are you doing? The men's circle's going on right now. You're late. They're like, oh, miss, we forgot. And I'm like, come with me. And I like, drag I think four of them and they're like all taller than me or five of them and I'm like take them down the hallway to the room and I 
knock on the room and they've started their men's circle and like, hi, I've got some other men for you. <laughs> Later, someone said it was like Hazel with her little ducklings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, and then that's where the flags were born. And we have these really long strands that were made there. And we did them in yellow, red, black, and white. So they're, and they're messy and they're like, fairly bold and they say some things that a teenager might say and and that was the first strand yeah those were the first they were in a strand because you used them for the open mic and then when you took them when you took down the the show when you took down the conference did you have thoughts about these flags or did you just pack them up with the rest of your materials just packed them up with the rest of the materials wow and then so then, this is 2010, I'm like, I end up getting booted, I get more funding from Canada Council to research a film that I'm going to write, and I think I'm going to get my own apartment in Toronto and in the fall, and I ended up getting drop kicked out of Toronto, like, boom, like, whatever I could do, I, like, looked at so many places, and everything went wrong, I even lost, like, a deposit I like cold sores and colds and sprained ankles and like crazy landlords and potentially crazy roommates like it was just like Hazel you said earlier like spirit wanted you at that conference the second spirit matters yeah so is this the other side of that yeah spirit wants me out yeah it's like that that's what I hear you saying like these this is how you know this is how you know things are going wrong things are going right yeah and my friend I'm supposed to be I have this funding from the Canada Council to learn about puppets Hmm. and go to these places and research a film and Alan says to me he's a I went to film school in Toronto at Ryerson and he's he was a friend from there and he said, I know where you have to go. You have to go to the BAM Center for the Arts because there's a puppet workshop there with the Old Trout Puppet Company. And I was like, yes, you're right. And I will apply. And I got in and I put my stuff in storage and I set out west. And then it took me. And then I, I didn't come back to Toronto until August 2012. And I ended up in Hawaii and I ended up doing these other youth and elders conference down in Oakland and going to a conference with an IONS conference with Ed and Emer in San Francisco and then I was called back to Toronto for the I knew I wanted to live in the west coast but I knew I needed to go back to Toronto to get my stuff and do some more things and then come back out here so I went back and I was at this third, fourth, four Spirit Matters. It was called Spirit Matters in the Fifth Sun or something. And it was about the like Mayan calendar and this ending and beginning of things. And please tell me they're still doing this conference. They aren't. They aren't. Ah. Oh. We had another one where the big collection of flags was born in 2013. We're not there yet. Not there yet, but in 2012, I am volunteer coordinator and I also make sure there's art on the walls and stuff. 
and art activities for people to do in different rooms. And there was this like, and I was the volunteer coordinator and there was this moment at lunchtime, one of the days, and I'm responsible for cleaning up the space that day, but I see everybody like talking and they're like, they're going off to lunch, like all the participants of the conference. And I was having this feeling like, ah, hmm. like that's what I want to be doing. I have to clean up these dirty mugs. And earlier in that day or the day before a friend who's a woman who I just met, who's now a good friend, Maria, who's a Cree and I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get it right. Cree and Serbian, I think, because when you say it quick, it sounds like she's Korean. Some Maria. And I had, I guess it's going to be a, because I got to back it up a bit. So Diane Lombo's opening, she's going to do the opening ceremony and she comes from a mask society. So masks are like, masks are spiritful, right? They're honored in a real certain way. And Emer wanted the space filled with images of all cultures. And I have this mask that my, that I wanted. I think it's up there. It's a Coast Salish mask. It's a portrait mask that a woman Carver did. And my mom bought it for me for my 16th birthday because I really wanted a mask. And so I brought that mask to fill the space with image, like with the other cultures. And someone comes, Diane Longo is very, she's got a lot of presence and is... I don't want to say serious, but is contained. And I have, I love her and she's fun and also like full of passion, but I found her quite, she was stern with me a few times and which was like, I needed it like to like, just become the person you want to be. Don't mess around. And so someone, when Jackie is one of her, who works with her and Jackie came in and found me and she goes do you know whose mask that is in the other room and I was like oh, that's my mask and she's like, Diane wants to know I was like I was like oh that was she's like, can you tell me about it and I was like it's Coast Salish it's Kwakwakiwak and it's a portrait mask and it was my mom bought it for me when I was six turned 16 and she's okay you should maybe come and talk to Diane and I was like okay I'm gonna get some tobacco and she's like, yeah that's a good idea and I went and talked to Diane and Diane's this mask do you like tell me about it and I was like I just told her what I told Jackie and I had brought tobacco I think Jackie thought like the tobacco was for the mask but I was bringing it for Diane but they both needed the tobacco the mask and the and Diane and Diane said, okay, it can lay on the altar with my mask. And I will ask it in the opening ceremony. I'll ask it what's going on for it. I said, thank you. <laughs> and then that was like, and then that night we had the opening ceremony and she said to me, this mask has been keeping you safe until you were strong enough and you're strong enough now. And this mask needs to go home and I said okay it's still here it's 
I do need to take it up to Kwakwakwakwak to the top of Vancouver Island, but he's they're still here with me, and that's okay. I think I have a sense it's okay because he's doing work with my son now, or they're doing work with my son. She's doing work, but this so. We had that ceremony. And then the next morning we have this opening circle and there's a hundred people at the gallery gathering. And we all, I insisted that we all get to say, introduce ourselves and say something. Hmm. But Ed likes, doesn't, he really gets annoyed when somebody talks too much in a circle. So I offered to bring my timer, my egg timer and give everybody 30 seconds. And it worked well because everyone got to speak. Some people got super annoyed with me, my egg timer, because we're in a like nice talking circle. But Ed wasn't annoyed. No, not Ed. (laughs) (laughs) And so this woman, Maria, who's now my friend, she says in the circle, the ancestors are holding blankets around us. She introduced herself and said, the ancestors are holding blankets around us. And then fast forward to that night, I think. And I'm talking with her after there was another open mic and I'm talking to her and she says, I said, wow. Oh no, maybe it was the next day. So then it was, yeah. Okay. Fast forward to me being like, oh, I can't go to lunch. I have to clean up these, I have to clean up these mugs. And then I, something happens. I get like, it dawns on me. I'm like, Hazel, you are a blanket holder. Mm. You are a lineage. Your lineage is blanket holding. You hold, you help hold blankets around the gathering. And I had this thought and I was like, ah, (laughs) I'm a blanket holder. (laughs) And I just was like, I can clean up these mugs. I can make this space beautiful. I found like volunteers. I was like, you guys, you're volunteers. Let's make this space beautiful. And it was like, I'm a blanket holder. And then later that night after the open mic, I'm chatting with Maria. And I was like, I just want to really thank you for your, what you said this morning that the ancestors are holding blankets around us. And she said, oh, you know why I said that? I said, no. She's like, you know that mask? that's on the altar I said which mask she said the one with the cedar hair and the green and the red I said yeah I know that mask she's um she's a visionary she has visions she's I was driving with my aunt in north on Lake Superior and I had a vision and that was the face of the ancestor that was standing like 12 feet tall holding blankets around us and I was like my whole brain was like what I was like and I had to tell her the whole story and like flow of events and yeah it was a pretty it was it was a potent weekend of of linking things together and doing some ancestral healing too yeah, my cousin was there and 
yeah, just like doing some healing for the that English, the English, the colonial ancestors and getting to feel their like coldness. Mm. And to then to also know that I'm like this blanket holder. And that peace, that knowledge that I'm a blanket holder, it's like a secret it's like a secret gem that I have. That's what I know I'm doing. I'm holding this blanket around the gathering. Like a lot with the elders too, with the ancestors. Wow, that really answers that question. <laughs> how, did, how did you know <laughs> that this was a calling? <laughs> wow. Whoa. Wow. And your mom, how special too that your mom. Yeah, she got it for me. You, yeah. And that you were asking for it already. Yeah. Yeah, I was asking for it. And we bought it at Three Vets. Do you know Three Vets in Vancouver? It's not there anymore, but it used to be like army surplus store and like camping store. Oh yeah, I do know it. Yeah. And then the man had this like little tiny room off to the side where he sold local carving by the artist and that he was like, he was the real deal, right? He was like, I will sell your things. Okay, whoa. So now can maybe take us to the fifth Spirit Matters. At the end of that 12th one, there was people sitting around, Kita huh? and another man who was part of forming the, or was in the Transformative Learning Center with Ed. And they were like, hey, Hazel, are you going to help us organize Momentum? And I said, yeah, because that's, it was in 2013, which was the 20th anniversary of the Transformative Learning Center. So the Fifth Spirit Matters was really, it was called Momentum. And it was to celebrate 20 years of transformative learning. And I said, damn, yeah, I will. And so I just started sitting in on the organizing meetings and we started organizing it. And I had this vision. So another time that Ed was like, Hazel, you need to do this thing. I was like, okay. He kept saying, do you know Brian Swim? Do you know Brian Swim? And I was like, I don't know Dr. Brian Swim. And he was like, okay he's coming to town and maybe you can do the audio visuals maybe you can videotape his thing or maybe you can do something I was like okay sure whatever and uh, so this was I think in 2009 and Brian Dr. Brian Swim is a cosmologist and a mechanical physicist and he's written some books called The Hidden Heart of the Cosmos and The Universe is a Green Dragon and his most recent one is Cosmogenesis. And I ended up going and helping set up for him. And he changed my world. My whole life was changed after hearing Brian Swim speak. Because he speaks about the 14 billion year creative event that we're in. That began with that moment of singularity. The Big Bang, if you want to call it that. And then... He just talks about the human being like on the cutting edge of this creative event with our self-reflexive consciousness. And that um, it took 40 eyes to be developed be before our eyes were developed. And that like in this moment, 
we are having relationship with that first beginning moment. And he uses like this beautiful poetic language that I just made all of my cells shimmer. And I was just like, he's giving me the language for what I knew was in me. Like that the spirit and like a science that is like alive and exciting and beautiful and hopeful. And it just blew my whole world apart and still blowing my world apart today. I'm like reading his recent one because I put him aside for a little while and just recently got reignited by the That's way he tells this story. Huh. I also got introduced to by it to a man named Drew Dellinger at the same time, and he's a poet that merges the teachings of Tom Barry, so like this deep ecology and cosmology with Martin Luther King Jr., social justice. So it's like this, they're like epic poems that I started to learn by heart back then, and I'm still learning them by heart and sharing them. Just on Saturday, someone asked me to open their musical night with some poems by Drew because they heard me tell a Drew Dellinger poem and I think it's really cool I'm like it was like 13 years ago that I started learning these poems and they're still epic they're still like he really sums up the whole this dance of life for me like I I don't need to write a poem because <laughs> can you give us a couple of the lines sure I write words to catch up to the ancestors. An angel told me the only way to walk through fire without getting burned is to become fire. Some days angels whisper in my ear and I fall in love with every person I meet. And I think maybe this could be a bliss like when Dante met Beatrice. Other days, all I know is my collusion with illusion, ghosts of projection masquerading as a radiant angel of love. I feel like the ancestors brought us here. I feel like the ancestors brought us together and they expect great things. They expect us to say what we think and live how we feel and follow the hard paths that bring us near joy. They expect us to nurture all the children. I write poems to welcome angels and conjure ancestors. I pray for justice sake, not to be relieved of my frustrations at the same time burning sage and asking ancestors for patience. I march with the people to the borders between nations where everything stops except the greed of corporations. Thoughts like comments calculating the complexity of the complicity. There is so much noise in the ocean. Whales are going crazy. We are making them crazy, driving dolphins insane. What kind of ancestors are we? Thoughts like comments, leaving craters in the landscape of my consciousness. I pray to ancestors and angels, meet me in the garden, in the cool of the evening. Meet me in the garden where spirit walks softly. Meet me in the garden under the wings of the bird of many colors. Meet me in the garden of your longing. I pray to be a conduit every breath is a pilgrimage every breath a pilgrimage to you i pray to be a conduit an angel told me the only way to walk through fire become fire
Wow. Wow. Did you say Den- Denninger? Drew Dellinger. Dellinger. Drew Dellinger. And I actually wanted to come on the time, your time zone and share some of his poems because he, there's, yeah. there's some poems that have time in them. Like, mm. Good. You must. You must. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever cried quite as many times in it. one of these oh. <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> okay, so this that's a wonderful stage now. So now, but how did we get to the to to Drew? Oh, Drew because of cosmogenesis and How do we get there? We don't need to know how we get there, but <laughs> you're there and it, and you are getting you have this. The words. Oh yeah, the- I know how we got there because I propose for this fifth spirit matters momentum that we open with what I call universe universe, which is what I called before temple to the universe. But if I called it temple to the universe, people's eyes glaze over. Uh-huh. So then I would I did a little math equation, which was like, what's bigger than a temple but smaller than the universe? And I was like the universe so I, <laughs> I called it universe universe which is cool because it's multiverse yes it's brilliant <laughs> and so I had this vision and I like when I between 2010 no like 2011 to 2013 if you asked me or just gave me a little opening to talk about universe universe i would like freaking get up on a soapbox and i would start like praising the universe and brian swim and so it's like this image of or i was like the multimedia theatrical participatory creative event that were telling stories about the universe we, I got projections going around of ancestors holding blankets around us. Everyone's got musical instruments. There's like storytelling, there's puppets, there's shadow puppets. There's like poetry. There's, it's like, it's all going on. And it's so much that if I like talk to anybody about it, they're like, how are you going to do that? That's like too much. Anyway, I'm like, <laughs> let's open the fifth <laughs> universe. Universe will be okay. <laughs> Let's open the spirit matters with universe, universe. Yes. Wait, does that mean you get it more than once? Universe, universe is like a, it's a scene. It's a thing. It's a, I wanted it to be a thing, but we've done it only once really. And what I know now today is that the flags hold that space. Uh, Flags are doing it way simple. Wait, like I can hang them and I'm like, ah, universe, universe. Like I don't have to like have lighting and projection and have a space and tour with artists like maybe we'll do that but I had to let it go because I wrote so many grants and didn't get any funding for it and I think it was just like way too big yeah like the grant they're like we don't get it and which I feel better about it was like this thing I was like pushing up a hill and we did do it and it was I've heard people talk about it I heard Dana, one of my collaborators, because I actually felt like pretty depressed after we put it on. Like, I felt like we didn't pull it off. 
but when I look back at the photos and when I look at what we did create, because I ended up spending almost a year of having an open studio, inviting the world, who the people who wanted to participate in to make art for this event. No, actually it wasn't a year, it was like three months, but I was like talking about it and thinking about it. And then I started having these open studios. And this is where the birth of the big collection of flags happened. This is where I learned so much about how to create that warm space for people to make art. Like mm -hmm. you need to always have someone to welcome people who are arriving at the studio. Cause we're like making stuff and you're like, can't go hi. You had to have someone get up and bring the person in and hang their coat up. And this is where our food is. And this is our altar. This is our prayer space. And this is what we're working on. And what do you want to work on? And so I learned that we did, we, this beautiful event where like everybody was welcomed. They were given a space to, we had this little cast iron pot where we got everyone to put anything they didn't want to bring in the room with them. And mm -hmm. we said, we compost it and just put it in this little pot. And then we had people smudging them. And then they got like a hydration elixir of water and lemon. They got like some energy ball. They got like a gift that would help them get through the show. Like a, we made all these little pins with like bells and seeds and can't remember what we called them, but they're like little magical things that could pin on them. And then they got taken in and sat down and there was like creatures everywhere. And we told this story of a character called Listener who listens to the story of the universe. And that's how the world is coming back is by listening. My friend's son played this character. He wanted, his name was Ether. The character's name was Ether. It's 12 year old boy, Azar played the character. And we had like an opening song. Like we had, I don't know how many people performed their own songs and poetry and. Brilliant. Like, it was wild. It was like, <laughs> it looks like somebody said it looked like a garage sale, like a hippie's garage sale, like at the front of the stage. <laughs> like it wasn't, I wanted it to be more slick than it was. I think that's how could it be? The universe, universe? Yeah. Slick. <laughs> we had someone on stage. Not reductive, like, that's for sure. Pardon? <laughs> the concept's not minimalist. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just beige and white and tan <laughs> yeah. colors. One no, I'm like, color. every color. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every color. <laughs> every color. <laughs> yeah. And we had epic storytellers from that storytelling night telling stories that wove it all together, that wove us in place of Taco Toronto and wove mm. us in place of being ourselves. And someone mm. on the stage, this beautiful woman who does like permaculture, she was weaving willow wreaths for everybody's heads. And, oh, wow. and that sort of kicked off, that kicked off <laughs> momentum. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And it was a riot. It was, and I'm finally feeling proud of it. Yeah. That's such an interesting, I, I guess there is a thread that I sense through these podcasts of this 
the difference between what is being made through you and what you think you're making. And the and that as a reconciliation that has to that can we sometimes have to grow into our own selves in that way. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like a little bit embarrassed by it and a little bit disappointed in myself or something. And it was like pretty beautiful. It was just beautiful offering that I dedicated time to. Yeah. Oh, it sounds incredible. I love it. I love the concept. I love what I what it what I imagine it was like and what it, I imagine it felt like. Just an explosion. Just you struck me when you said you know, people glaze over the temple of the universe and that there's a glaze over and this feels like the antidote. I was like, I couldn't get you in the room if we called it temple to the universe, but I'm going to get you in the room with universe to universe. <laughs> and peel that thing off. Although yeah. I imagine the people who came were already open to it somehow. Yeah. But that it's, it's probably still reverberating. That's a huge splash. Yeah. People were like, whoa. One woman yeah. I think was like, this, rem- this reminds me of the 60s. <laughs> like the whole decade all at once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then now you, now the collection is big. So was it like, were there strands slowly gathering from? Very few. Okay. We had those first two from 2010. And then I had made some flags as Christmas gifts for my family. Like I made some that honored my grandmother and the cottage that we go to Mm. a bee and a canoe and a loon. And just, I honored my grandma, what she loves and an image of her and the canoe. And I made those for the family and there was a few left over. So I had two, I have three of those and they were left over from this Christmas that I think I made them 2011 for Christmas. And yeah, this is where I had all those piles of silk screens. And I was like, oh, we should make more flags. And so part of the open studio was like, I'd host people to make stencils and we would make more, we were making more flags. And now you have a bulk. Now you have a lot, enough to say, what are these for? Yeah. <laughs> what, who are you or something? And they started to talk to me. That's when they started uh, to be okay. like, hang us outside. Okay. Hang us in, they kept saying, hang us in Trinity Bellwoods Park, which is like down on Queen West in Toronto. It's a very lovely park. Like when it becomes May and warm, like overnight one day, it will just be like explode with people. And they're like people everywhere in that park, sitting on blankets, drinking beer, having fun, playing Frisbee, tennis. And the flags were like, hang us in Trinity Bellwoods, hang us in Trinity Bellwoods. I was like, I don't know how to do that. Hmm. I don't like, would I need a ladder? I would need people to help me. I think I was talking to them, but I was like talking to myself. Like, I don't know. I kept going, I don't know how to do that. And I never did it. I didn't do it. Hmm. And I brought them. And then, so then like you noticed, then all of a sudden the fall of 2014, like I had wrapped up my stuff at U of T and I had started something new and Toronto felt like a fallow field. And I had 
it was just like you're it's you're gotta move out west you're ready this time you gotta go and when I think about out west when I thought about out west it was like verdant and lush and I was like dew on grass and it was like springtime <laughs> I was like there is something out there I don't know what it is because I didn't know about pie and I didn't know about indigenized I just knew I was cutting coming out here to be closer to my parents and it was like done in Toronto like my work was done it was I was like I woke up and I was like oh it's like I was in this like deep meditation and I woke up and I was like, I get to go. I'm done here. And I had been in Toronto since I'd moved there in 1998 to go to university. With those periods of getting booted out at the end, I was starting to get out of the habit of being in Toronto and like being out West. And I did that like twice, I think. And so I took the flags because I knew they were magic, but I didn't know what they were really. And I took my bundle and I took the mask and I took a few of my clothes and my bike and they went on the front of the train and I, oh. I took a train out West. And then my other 30 boxes I had, I put on the Greyhound for 900 bucks and shipped. You put them on a regular bus, but you took the, this, it's a long train across yeah, four days. Four, a four day train ride, four day train ride. And I took my, I took the special things, right? And I see this vision of, I have to draw a stencil of it or something like the train. And it's got this like spirit bundle in the front of the train. And I was on the party train. Like I was, there was like a lot of people who got on and off, but there was like 12 of us who were almost on to the whole end. And we were, I don't know how I got they drank the train out of beer like a number of times. There was like four dudes, like Persian dudes from Ottawa who were going to work on the tar sands mm. in Alberta. And there was like two Welsh travelers and there was one broken hearted punk rocker. Mm. And there was like a French Canadian lady changing her life chef. And there was one traveling Dane who I ended up making out with. <laughs> there was accountant, like a Krishna, East Indian man who was moving to be with his sister out on the West. And there was me. We seemed to all hang out together, or dominate the, the bar car or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because there was like other people on the train, but we were the ones that I remember, like, the rowdies. And it was pretty fun. Who was I kept to myself, but then all of a sudden I was pulled into this party. And yeah, the bundle is on the front. And I'm brought out here, and then there's that flow. I ended up hanging them that like I had this flow of events that summer. It was 2015. And the first so I went to the International Leadership Gathering, International Indigenous Leadership Gathering that was up near Lillooet. And I thought the flags would really look good here, but I didn't bring them. And then the next event, I went to a festival and that's where I brought the flags. And I hung them outside and where we discovered that they were 
there was something going on. There was a field, there was that morphic field that I wouldn't have been able to name on my own. But then when I hung them at the next gathering, which is where I met Peggy Taylor, and Rupert Sheldrake was like, the resonant field of these flags is astonishing. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> Do you remember and what the festival was? It was called Luminosity. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it had been held here on the coast at Crystal Creek and Roberts Creek for a number of years. And then I think I got it moved and it was held somewhere else for a couple of years, but I haven't heard about it for a while. And then you went to Hollyhock and you hung them and Rupert noticed them. And then, and that confirmed because you'd been carrying them. You hadn't, this is only the second time you've hung them. Yeah. And the way that the energy that was, we hung them at luminosity and we were camping in the middle of them and people would come and sit in them and fall asleep. And the healing that happened for, there was four women. We were all camping in the middle of them. Two of them were new to me. I had given them a ride, carpooled with them to the coast from Vancouver. And then my friend Dana and the four women. And we just had all this healing around home and belonging and motherhood and stuff. And, and I was like, there is something going on with these flags. I don't think I'll ever camp in the middle of them again because it feels like that's not where you camp. Like it's gotta be like a sacred space, a space for people to go and sit and be among them, like free to do that. And I guess we were lucky we got to camp in them and right. get that healing. And then the next, like a week later or two weeks later, I hung them and secretly, I hung them secretly in the morning and then people walk through them surprised. And then that afternoon, Rupert was like, he confirmed or named for me what I had been feeling in them. And this was only the second time. And then Peggy Taylor, this was like another crossroads where Peggy's, what are you doing next week? I said, oh, I'm like working, catering to weddings. And she said, do you want to come and be at Power of Hope? I was like, they had confirmed that I would work at these weddings like months before, right? And then that night I get an email and one of the weddings has been canceled. And I was like, oh, so I'm only like ditching on one of them. <laughs> okay, that's half. Wait. <laughs> or they... you're not getting married anymore, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I wrote the catering company and I was like, I'm, I got a better gig or I didn't say that, but I'm going to this thing because I knew it was a crossroads. I knew it was like a another path was opening up to me. And I was like, you either take this or you go and cater. And so I went to Power of Hope and met Mucha and Warren and like all those folks and got to know Peggy more. And, and then from there- It's a youth, just for the rare person who won't, who might happen upon this podcast. <laughs> Jen, who hasn't picked up on what the power of hope is, an arts-based youth camp on the West Coast. And you would have met like all kinds of other artists who were playing different ideas of how to gather people. Yeah, this facilitation community, this like creative facilitation community. Yeah. 
that then led me to indigenize and Kelly Trebaskett and Kim Haxton. Yeah. That then I had already been doing this work of gathering people Much. and learning, oh, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. But then these like fine honed, like finely honed tools that Peggy and had developed and you had developed and his name is Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. I didn't get yeah. a little and it's not like I'm before. hearing it throughout this story that you had already, you were like, it was like this retro directional thing that you had gathered all of this. Exactly. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. I just got some like yeah. really good yeah. lines from you and Peggy. Say this line at this point. And you're <laughs> yeah. Some of them really work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some of them never get old. But I still, I'm still on the flags. I'm still on the flags because this is such a story of guidance and of space as mystery and also of this gentleness of the guidance of spirit that you can, you don't have to do what it says for it to stay with you. Like yeah, I hear that in the story, there's still this incredible freedom and humor and you don't get, it's not like, they're not, it doesn't sound like directives, but more like this co-creative wafting kind of thing and there's the universe universe and then what is a morphic field but that the universe at play and evolving its laws evolving so here's the here's the word from the spirit but as you live it out it evolves so the mask is still there i can see it on the of course everybody's listening by audio but i saw it on the camera and but that's not a wrong thing it's an evolution of what the insights are and what the the laws are around it. So I'm quite fascinated. And for me, I feel a bit unfinished with the flag story uh, in terms of this. <laughs> Although you've answered the question about the facilitation. I really want to keep following the flags as facilitators or the spirit as facilitator. And just also just say something to like, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we get, it's so easy to think, it's so easy for me to sometimes think that the spirit is limited to my 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 own capacities or something like that. I can get into this kind of a mindset, whereas I, I remember this all the way from my childhood, always being surprised when things are much bigger than I could ever have imagined. And I don't know, I, when I'm listening to your story, what I see are these threads that appear and disappear. Like oh. the isn't always there, right? And so the thing that you've left that thread, the thread is now somewhere else. And then they offer you another thread on the weave. Another, yeah. yeah. It feels, it feels really like you're really this adventurer that has a sort of contrary spirit <laughs> and you go in and it's just such, it's such a fabulous energy that it creates. The story it's creating. Yeah. Thank you. Y yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's these moments I've been having, I'm like, you haven't adventured enough and yeah. you haven't got enough places, but I'm like, what I'm else just... would an adventurer think? Otherwise you would be satisfied, sit down. You'd never do the next thing. <laughs> True. What am I concocting next? Yeah, it's not here yet. It's everything's feeling <laughs> that little antsiness probably. Yeah. Or I imagine I don't want to play it down. Probably it also sometimes feels in a different magnitude. Like I heard what you said about the universe universe. 
that it took a long time to, for it to be what it was, to see it for what it could have meant to us in the world or to other people. Yeah. And I don't actually know what it meant to people or how it impacted people. Cause I was like, we went from that night into the next yep, few the days. Conference. Yeah. And yeah. what we did actually, cause we had to take everything down in the auditorium. So that it was just playing for the next day. But we took all the flags and we took them upstairs to the plenary room where we had our big circles. And we called it a flag bomb and we hung all the flags in the room. And it's like not high ceilings, maybe like 10 foot ceilings. So you get this like rainbow of satin and polyester, mm -hmm. cotton and like corduroy, like all this found fabric hanging, filling this space like pretty thoroughly and again we surprised people like I I love that element of surprise like, so the first people to come in the morning are like whoa and and then we sat and had these I have to I'll send you a picture of this pretty amazing picture of like people sitting in circle people from around the world sitting together with the flags Wow. This, so the, here are the concentric circles and the flags, which are the blankets, but flags are almost like dancing blankets. They're like, yeah, they're the moving blankets moving. Yeah. And they're like, it's one of those ceilings. I don't, I have experience with it because I'm often hanging flags in it, but it's like an institutional ceiling and they've got the metal and they've got those, I don't know what they're made out of, but you really don't, I really don't like getting the dust and the like dust from them. Fiberglass or something, that thing. And that you can push it up. Pile, yes. And you push it. Okay. I push it up and then I put the flag underneath it and I sandwich it between the metal that's holding that plate in place. And you often get the dust in your eyes because <laughs> I've learned to, anyways, it's those kind of ceilings and made beautiful with the rainbows and the satin and the fluorescence. I imagine since 2015, the collection's grown enormously. Yeah. Because you, you do these workshops and you people, and they're not always workshop workshops. They might just be gatherings of people who are happen to be, and then you're like, hey, let's make some. Like yeah. some <laughs> so I have a ton of flags that still need to be sewn together from those workshops from like, workshops I did with kids because I always keep a few so that I can add them to the collection the collection has also like sometimes flags want to be go with people so I give them away to people from the collection from the strands yeah every so often one will be like give me to that person I'll be like okay so yeah, this is definitely the thread I'd like to follow right now, is the voice of the flag. So I feel it with the time zone, which is, I think, why I'm so interested. Hmm. Someone from far outside might be like, oh, Nadia's hosting the time zone. But that's not what the experience is like. From where I, That is the experience of running trainings and stuff like that. I feel like I, I host them in a satisfactory way. But this doesn't feel like that. This more I'm the apprentice or the caretaker or something like that. So when you hear these flags telling you things like I want to go with this person or hang me here or 
what do you think, or do you have any sense of what they want, what is going on, or where this is all going, or how that even happens? Anything you can tell me. (laughs) I, we call ourselves the roadies, like me and Dana and Lizzie, because Dana and Lizzie have been the two who've gone with me to festivals and hung them. And Dana has now had the experience. She took a few to one festival one year and I took a few to another festival. She's, I totally know what you mean now. I put them up, but it was wrong. And they told me to take them down and put them up somewhere else. Okay. So it's not between you and the flags. It's the flags. They have their own. Yeah. Especially with someone who caretakes them, who is familiar with them. I wouldn't have just sent them with anyone to a festival. Mm -hmm. Dana knew our protocols of like how we fold them and how we unfold them and not how we unfold them, but just how we take care of them. And she's, I never knew really what you meant, but I was putting them up and it was so wrong and I had to take them down and put them up again. And, and often, yeah, I don't know how it's, it's, it's some kind of voice in me, in my head, or I get this urge, like is it's, oh, that person wants this set of strand. And often you can match the right strand, like the strand that wants to go. Every so often I get the strand wrong. Like I'm like, I'm just like, oh, I want to give a gift and I just grab one. And then the person's, oh, and like, they don't know what it is or it doesn't land. It wears if I'm like, oh, it was supposed to be that other strand for them because then they would have responded to the images or the colors more or something. But for the flags, it'll be like a repeating thought. If they really want something, like they wanted to hang at the art farm's 10th anniversary. This was in the summer of 2018. And Sandy Buck and Chad Hirschler run the art farm, the Deer Crossing, the art farm, and they were getting ready for the 10th anniversary. And I know them way better now, but at the time I didn't really know them that well. I knew them and they knew me, but I kept getting this thought, like you should hang the flags at the 10th anniversary for the art farm. You should hang the flags at the 10th anniversary of the art. And I was like, ah, and I was like, okay, fine. And I like, hey, do you think you might like the flags hung for your 10th anniversary? And they were like, yeah, totally. I was like, okay, Dana and I will be over tomorrow and we'll hang the flags. And everybody, everybody really responded. I think I told you that story that they had, when you have an idea and you're preparing for a party and you want it to just look right. And they were like, stressing of that pile of stuff there and that wasn't ready and so when people when the people who work at the art farm came the next day and all the flags were up they were like we had such relief the party we were ready for the party it didn't matter that all those things hadn't been done Hmm. they were like thank you so much And, and then like recently I hung the flags in the mall for an installation and it was for the four directions and a woman this woman Mayuki who is the head of the women's labor board here on the Sunshine Coast I got an email out of the blue 
and the flags talk to other people. So the flags talk to her because I got an email from her and she was holding an event for in mem- remembrance of violence against women. So that event that or the shooting that happened in Montreal years ago, she was holding and she wanted the flags there. She said, can you hang the flags or some of the flags so that we can have a good vibes? And like, I didn't know her and it was just like a one hour event, but it was like, yes. I was like, yes, I'll be there. And there was another time I don't know if I told you, but this is the one that really is like funny to me. There's like, huh. So I had, it was like this June, 2016. I had just finished like a year or six months of training with indigenized, like the five weekends in a row or something like that. And then I had done some other training. And so I was just getting to know Kelly I don't think maybe I brought one strand of flags and hung them once at one of our weekend things, but I don't think they hadn't seen the full collection. They'd heard about it maybe. And this woman, Jessica Storner, she was, it was when we were trying to have hubs of indigenized in different places. And this was like up in Williams Lake. And she was trying to get, so she was, there was going to be this multicultural event on Sugarcane Powell Grounds Arbor at the, and there was a group, a committee, but it was an elder, like a chief there and he was organizing it. And Jessica was, well, you could have Warren come and do some like hip hop and opening and do some games to get the whole crowd together. And the elder was like, no. <laughs> he didn't buy it and then she was offering something else and then she said there's hazel and the flags (laughs) then i get an email saying this chief in in williams lake wants the flags at the at his multicultural gathering (laughs) i was like what like how does he know about that and i was like we went i was like of course we'll go we're coming And so we went and hung the flags. And then also I hosted an art barn for indigenized and we made flags. And it was like a rainy and windy. It was like the worst conditions for making silkscreen flags outside, but we did it. We were like underneath the powwow arbor, the bleachers under and under some white tents. He could feel that field that they create yeah which is already there and was already there before you hung them the first time yeah yeah and then people like this fall I went and did four days on salt spring silk screening with these elementary school classes because I had gone there in the fall of 2019 and I was doing like outdoor education with them like just a couple hours out of their day and I took them out in the woods out near their school but then we hung the flags and then we made like structures in the woods and the teacher she was so taken with the flags 
that since 2019, she's asked me every year in the fall, can you, will you come and make the flags with me and my class? And I was like, no, I'm having a baby. No, I had a baby. And then I was like, this year, I was like, yeah, I'll bring the whole family. We'll come and make flags. And how about now I like to say, how about I make, how about I bring all the gear? Like, how about you have a budget and we bring the gear and I teach you how to do it. And then I leave the gear with you and you can continue to make the flags. Oh, that's nice. So then they can create fields that are like satellites almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so moving. It's very moving. And when you said it earlier that the universe, universe, now they do this, they make this, that that, that is containable on the planet. That could be. That, that has so much to do with what you said. This David Swim? Brian Swim. Brian Swim said, you know, that the that Big Bang is with us. Yeah. And that they can make that. Yeah. Because one of the goals of the flag project is to make every image in the world. And we, it's an impossible task, but we're willing to try. (laughs) (laughs) It's that's why we love these satellites. Yes. Yeah. Because then you wouldn't know, you figure eventually all the images will be there. Yeah. You won't need to count them. No. To be sure. If you had all of them, then you would have to. We would have to count them. You would know it wasn't done yet. You wouldn't, you know, this way you won't know the moment it's done necessarily. So I wouldn't be surprised if you came to know. So when you hear this whole story, Hazel, I mean, I feel like we could do this for quite a few more hours. I may make this into a two volume. (laughs) It was an idea that Cindy had, funnily enough, just the last podcast, to make them into two chapters. Chapters. Oh, that's cute. But when you hear yourself, when you hear yourself tell this story, from the robots. <laughs> I just, I'm curious about what that scent, what that sense is or what you're feeling right now, because it's one thing for me to tell you what I'm feeling as you tell the story of your incredible journey, but I'm just so curious of, of how it lives with you. Like on a day-to-day, I forget. And then when I hear it, I'm like, Ooh, there's a lot of, magic here there's a lot of living in spirit like answering the call and going and listening to my instinct and I would like to figure out a way to to live with that more in a day-to-day which I believe I do I probably do it I I like my house is pretty bright I had a moment and this I think this is this new year's with actually I've had an so like hearing my story and then right now we're building a website for the flags and we're building a website for all the images and the community that's grown because we we want to share this further and wider and so like we I talked about we're making vectors so that we can project it up onto a wall and paint a mural or something like that or make shower curtains Um, And in this process, I've had to go back and look at all the photos and look at all the events and they all look like a, they're all very bright. There's a ton of color uh, between the stencils and the silkscreen and the fabric and the 
and all the people there, like it's, they're colorful and they're bright. And did, I was astounded, astonished at my own brilliance, like at the brilliance of what I do, like where I dwell. And I was like, I turned to Talitha. Talitha and Kim Haxton were here for New Year's and it was just Talitha and, the, and I on the couch. And I, I was like, I think you might need to wear sunglasses because I'm so bright. <laughs> <laughs> And we laugh so hard, but I think we're all so bright. But I was really like, how do I live seeing my own bright? That's what we're scared of, right? Isn't that one of those lines that we're not scared of like all the things we're going to do wrong, but we're scared at like how bright we are. We're scared at our lights. And I called a friend, Sarah Snedeker, and I was like, I'm seeing my own brilliance pretty clearly and I'm a bit scared of it and how do I live with it I think everybody around me might need sunglasses but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to come off like egotistical but it was it's just like how do we live with our brightness how do we live with our passion and yeah and that's a that's an interesting one right sunglasses meaning it's bright it could it would burn your eye like why are afraid of it what what is it that we're afraid of is it that people will back away is it that they glaze over when you say i'm going to make the temple of the universe is that they can't understand it when you write the grant it's like that i have to tone it down to just to get to to get through the day-to-day yeah the fair question it doesn't sound like an egotistical question i think it's a question probably a lot of people have to ask themselves or it's even difficult to frame it because of how intense the feedback is to not even say something like that and I was at this, this man, I was at this musical night the other night and the man, like one woman said to him, he was a singer songwriter, a solo guy, David Beckingham. And she said, I just want to take you home in my pocket. And she's like, you're just too much. You're too much. And he goes, yeah, I get that a lot. I get that I'm too much. And I guess this world, the world, the society we're living in has narrow made it such a narrow space for all of us to live that we're scared to speak out or wear a funny hat or wear a bright color and that's what we're doing when we're creating these spaces for facilitation it's like helping people to be more themselves and the flags do it really well because they're a gentle like my friend like I wanted universe universe to be really polished and I want my web the website to be really polished and my friend who does a lot of my writing like help add edits my writing and helps me like see more polished than I am. I sent her audio recordings and she said to me, I, she's, I just want them out. Like I want it just the way it is. Cause then you're letting people know that it doesn't have to be perfect, that you're not like saying a script. She's like the, where you're, you pause and you're thinking and mumble and you stumble. She's, I want that in there. I want that on your website because I want there to be loose ends. It's like the flags. It's like this invitation to just be yourself. That would be the universe. If that would make a universe, that would make it. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. Like I was even looking at around my house last night and I was like, God, like I can't keep the counters clean. And it's just flowing out everywhere and I'm like it's a really well lived in house Hazel yeah 
like we're busting out of that narrow framework of I like a clean house. I like a tidy house for my mom and my grandmother, but there's no way that my place can ever look like my grandmother's or ever will or doesn't need to either. What did it cost her? It cost her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A beautiful house, but she worked really hard at it, I'm sure. And I don't mean even necessarily cost in a bad way. I don't know your grandmother's story. I just yeah. mean, if you're going to be the roadie for the flags, <laughs> it probably leaves a few crumbs. On the <laughs> 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 wow. Yeah. I love the way that, I love the way that you reflected that and that it's beautiful to hear you say, I'm bright. You might need sunglasses, but also that is a struggle for you that you're still, that's not the end of that point of realizing or knowing your own brightness is not the end of the adventure. No, like that's an invitation to me in the way you put it. Okay. If you know your own brightness and you're an adventurer, like where are you going to go? Yeah. You don't need to to be shy about it. Yeah. Like I even have family, right. And I think I go around, like they said to me, it was a few years ago, but I think I like try to pretend I'm a little bit different they're like different than I am but they're like oh you're like a crazy traveling artist gypsy and I'm like oh how did you know see you we see (laughs) we're like who are you trying to be and I'm like oh I didn't (laughs) fool you and they're like no I think you may have fooled yourself more than you fooled us I don't know who I think I am when some of the, uh, yeah, I guess like I see my brightness, but then I'm still pretending to be a studious, studious, I don't know. I could fit in like I could, mm-hmm. I know how to dress the part if I wanted to go and fit in. But then but it you, spills but then out. then everybody would know, they know. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't last long. Yeah, it's not on the outside. No. Wow. Thank you for letting me tell this story or inviting me or having this story drawn out because I like the retelling of it. It does give me it reminds me, it's so powerful to remember your origins and to the elders that you've sat with and the places you've gone and those circles I've sat in and the youth I've worked with and like hard won experiences and knowledge and messing up and keep going and, and yeah, I think something that you've stirred in me something you said was like it's the universe like it all is the universe the crumbs on the counter and the flags and being a roadie and so it's just like leaning into it like the most recent book by brian swim cosmogenesis is he realized this is what i heard him say in a podcast that he's talking always about the universe unfolding. And then he realized like, oh, I have to put the storyteller in the story because I am also the universe unfolding. So he'd always been this like scientist telling the story, 
poet telling the story, but now all of a sudden he's, oh, I got to put my life in as the unfolding of the universe as well. Yeah. That's I really what, that's love it. hearing him say that. That's so beautiful. It's very, it would be raw. It wouldn't be polished that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's raw. He's is a whole bunch of his stumbling when he first became a professor. And he was like so excited by these ideas, but the people around him were like, no, we're just here doing math. Like it's, it's not a creative event. That's just philosophical thought. And the other thing I heard him say was like, I had heard him be more certain about the Big Bang, but he's also, we actually don't know what happened in the beginning. We don't know. Was there a beginning? Was there a beginning? Yeah. And did you, have you figured that out in the time zone? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Actually, episode 123. No. No, but that was the only thing I think that we really, that maybe relates to that question is that time is very real. So that whether there's the question of a beginning doesn't really, the beginning could have, could be coming. It doesn't flow in one direction, but it's not an illusion. Ah. It's not an illusion. And that directionality itself is not an illusion either. It's just that it's multiple. It has many directions. And those directions have a lot to do with the way we tell our stories to ourselves, but not just humans. How like the story of evolution, how it's told, those kinds of things, they create these centropic arrows that bring things forward out of the blur of matter. Ah. Consciousness of matter becomes narratives. Yeah. So not knowing what the beginning is or knowing what it is, right? There are cosmologies that are very clear about what the beginning was. They're also true. Yeah. Which is why I love to ask that question in these podcasts. Do you remember where it started? Because then a, narr- a story will come out, you know, they'll follow a thread. I really love this one. I love the fact that we had a conversation just so two weeks ago or a week ago. And this feels so fresh. Like it's, I feel like I totally, and I feel like I know you. It's not like, I'm interviewing a stranger, but I just every I hung on every second of this story. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've not heard it before. And yeah, it's really special, Hazel. Thank you. Yeah. And I just to talk about story, I love the way it came out today because mm. mm. sometimes it comes out in a different order. Like we started at 2012 and then it went back and then it went da, 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 da. today you got the long version and sometimes I can start feeling it come out and I'm like whoa are you guys ready for a long version of the story or sometimes I can do it in a short version but like having your gaze on it or your ear on it today helped me remember some stuff that I hadn't and actually I think love and embrace universe universe Mm. more than I had before so thank you I know these spaces that are created for facilitation like it's the world I want to live in 
is a space where people are like invited up to be themselves and be heard and seen and cheered on. And for each one of us to be fully ourselves, to be our full brightness, to follow our joy and to, and then, so it's like this evolutionary leadership where like we can be the leader sometimes and then we can lay back and rest and carry mm-hmm. the flags or do the dishes or wash the empty mugs or but just take turns like supporting the collective and then shining our bright light and being woven together like I I just I'm taking this resonant language course right now and people are like how do I do this in the real world like we have our little like practice pod and resonant language grew out of like nonviolent communication but it's like our, our, it's like when we go into retreat or we're doing our like facilitation all together and we're together for a week or a day or something and you, you create this culture. And we're all like doing this for each other, snapping <laughs> our fingers and we're like cheering each other on and practicing resonance. And then people are like, how do we do this in the real world? And the real world, I wish this, yeah, I hope for the real world to be our spaces of that get created for facilitation yeah me too yeah this world really needs us each to do our own work do that internal work so that we can shine the brightest and wear our bright colors yeah Hear those flags, hear those flags whispering. Hear those flags and make flags. <laughs> the world really needs us to make flags. <laughs> I've, I'm like, flags everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>